When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. Happy spooky early Halloween, Katie. Are you ready for the holiday this weekend? I'm close to being ready, Keith. Uh, I've got half the children's costumes taken care of. Uh, We have visited a pumpkin patch. Uh, We have not carved any pumpkins, but we have visited a patch. So we're close. (laughs) um, More importantly, have you uh, the the one half of the child that doesn't have a costume? Is that (laughs) costume being assembled as we speak? Uh, I did not assemble it, but it is being delivered on Friday, which is cutting it a little close, you know, for holiday festivities this weekend. But that's fine. It'll be here. The Great Pumpkin will be delivering the costume this weekend. And we did decide to go with Parrot for Natalie, Pirate for Calvin. I like the wordplay in addition to the, you know, the nice, uh, you know, combination. Well, um, (laughs) Argy Mateys, as always... The Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Adele's Easy On Me jumps to number one on the Billboard Hot 100, marking the superstar's fifth number one single on the list. Plus, It's a busy week on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, where Young Thug scores his third number one, while Mac Miller, Coldplay, and The Beatles shake up the top five. Also on the show, we have a Halloween treat for you, as we find out the story behind one of modern film's most iconic musical sequences. Of course, we're talking about Hocus Pocus's I Put a Spell on You, as performed by Bette Midler. We're joined by the song's producer and arranger and all-around Hollywood music legend, Mark Shaman. Seriously, look at this guy's IMDb page. The Grammy, Emmy, and Tony Award winner, not to mention seven-time Oscar nominee, takes us through how the song came together for the film, how they came up with new lyrics for the classic tune, and the long history between Shaman and Midler. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast... Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, Adele's Easy On Me zooms to number one. Easy like that on the (laughs) Billboard Hot 100 songs chart as the track flies from number 68 to number one after its first full tracking week of activity. 
The song arrived a week ago on the chart at number 68 from just its first five hours of availability. It's Adele's fifth number one and first since Hello ruled for 10 weeks in 2015 and 2016. Easy On Me was a monster hit straight out of the gate. In the US, it drew 65 million in radio airplay audience impressions and 54 million in streams and sold 74,000 copies all in the week ending October 21st, according to MRC data. On the all-format radio songs chart, Easy debuts at an eye-popping number four and at number one on both the streaming songs and digital song sales charts. How long will Easy be number one? Well, place your Halloween-themed bets for how huh. long it'll stick around at the top. With those radio numbers, I imagine it could be a, a while. It's going to be a long, <laughs> a long autumnal season with Easy on Me on the radio airwaves. It's the perfect fall soundtrack, I have to say. Well, next up, staying with the top 10 on the Hot 100, Dua Lipa's Levitating spends a 40th week in the top 10, thus claiming the second most weeks in the top 10 all by itself. A week ago, it was tied with Post Malone's Circles with 39 weeks in the top 10 each. Now only one song has spent more time in the top 10, The Weeknd's Blinding Lights with 57 weeks. Maybe in you're, four more months, she could still be in the top ten. Say, I don't know. You're almost at that full year, Dua. <laughs> you're almost there. Yikes. All right, lastly, uh, over on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, it's a busy top five. As Young Thug scores his third number one with his chart-topping arrival of punk, while Mac Miller's fan-favorite mixtape Faces debuts at number three after its first commercial release. Uh, it was originally issued back in 2014 as a free mixtape. Uh, Coldplay's new studio album, Music of the Spheres, debuts at number four, and The Beatles' final studio album, the 1970 number one album, Let It Be, re-enters at number five after its deluxe special edition reissue on October 15th in a variety of expanded formats with additional previously unreleased tracks. I have to bring it back to Coldplay because, you know, I like to do that. Uh, also, you like say, Coldplay, so, you I know. love Coldplay. Calvin was singing My Universe this weekend and like just unprompted just started singing it in his playroom. It was the sweetest thing ever. And I was so excited. <laughs> uh, it, getting him in early. I mean, I that's don't know. right. Maybe I think he might be a member of the army. Who knows? We'll find, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> and now it's time to get spooky as we talk Ooh. to Mark Shaman to find out the story behind the I Put a Spell on You musical number in the 1993 film Hocus Pocus. Now, I Put a Spell on You was first released in 1956 by Screamin' Jay Hawkins, who also wrote the original track, and has since been covered by many artists, including Nina Simone, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Annie Lennox, and of course, by Bette Midler and her on-screen Sanderson sisters in Hocus Pocus, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Najimy. In our interview, Shaman talks about how he got involved with Hocus Pocus, how they wrote new lyrics for their version of the song in order to make it work within the context of the film, since after all, the song is going to be sung by three witches literally putting a spell on the townspeople, <laughs> and his long working relationship and friendship with Midler herself. So take a listen to our interview with Mark Shaman. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Mark Shaman, how are you, sir? I'm fine. 
I'm happy to be home, being that I left my car running today the entire afternoon while I rehearsed. So I was amazed that I was able to get right back in it and drive home. Well, we're also thrilled that no one stole the car and it still runs. It was in New Jersey. The uh, movie uh, that I'm working on was filming in New Jersey. So, and that's my home state. So maybe they sensed, you know, hometown boy and let's not steal this car. The the spirits of the season, uh, you know, conspired to not have anyone steal your car because we're right, Halloween is right around the corner. So of course, happy early Halloween, if you choose (laughs) to celebrate. Um, And we're talking to you because you were an incredibly important part of the film Hocus Pocus. You produced and arranged the incredible musical number, I Put a Spell on You, uh, performed, of course, by Bette Midler in the film, along with her backup singers, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Najimy. Um, how did you get involved with the film back in the day? Um, that was in the heyday of me working with Bette on many movies. And, and, many, and I was just working on 3,000 movies, the 90s. Oh, the 90s were very, very good for me in, in the movie industry. Uh, so that was just, it was, and and that one was just sort of like, what? You need what? I mean, I was probably working on five other movies at the time. And my memory is it just went very quickly. Like I got called in and there was a rehearsal with me and Kenny Ortega, who was the director and choreographer of the movie and the three ladies and a piano and and me and I think they had already, yeah, I'm sure they had already said it's, uh, I put a spell on you. So I guess I did my homework and listened to the original recording, which, you know, is is a classic, but it really only has like three lines of, of lyrics in it. I put a spell on you and now you're mine. You better stop the things you do. I ain't lying. You ever hear the Nina Simone version? It's fabulous. Yeah. I think that's probably what I listened to the most. And anyway, so we just sat at the piano and, you know, we were like, well, there has to be lyrics that fit the the story. And so we just created lyrics. I, my memory is that we just did it right there on the spot. But basically me and Bet, I'm sure everyone else threw in ideas, but I'm a control freak. So I either go, uh, uh, maybe, or, or just, <laughs> what else we got, you know? Uh, and it, they almost, I think, all have perfect rhymes as is, you know, that was back when I might have still allowed a slight, a slanted rhyme. Um, yeah, and it works and it's so good in the movie. I mean, and. Uh, and it was fun to, you know, arrange it in the style of Bette Midler so that Kathy and SJP sing parts that are very like the Harlettes would sing Bette Midler's you know, backup groups right down to. She has a song called Uptown, uh, a cover of an old 60s record on one of her um, original records, Bette Midler, that is. And um, one of the backup parts go down, 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 which I kind of quote at one point in the arrangement. Meanwhile, I'm just blabbering. I'm just talking yeah. on and on and no, on. Wait, you mentioned SJP and, and Kathy and Jimmy, and I've always wondered, was that really them on the recording in the film? Are they singing backup on the track? Yeah. Okay, I, I now I now I feel dumb for even asking. I, I'm like, oh, they <laughs> no, must no, be no, no, because else. now that it's been seven thousand years, I could also say that yeah, there there is some um, ringers in there helping ah. helping the backups along. There's a blend. There's a blend of vocals. Mostly because now that my memory is that I I had to go cut it cut it 
and I, you know, uh, someone, I can't remember her name now, uh, you know, sang the backup so that just the SJP and Kathy could have something to learn from because that the rehearsal I went to, we just kind of like said, well, this is what it's going to be. But then I kind of went home and really did the arrangement. So it wasn't until they came in to record it that it was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. So I had to put something down for them to learn and, you know, keep it in there just a little tucked in. You mentioned that, uh, you know, you guys got together and and wrote new lyrics for the song. Uh, You know, was that, was that a quick process? How long did that take you guys? How did that, how did that process go? Well, my memory, which can't be trusted, is that there was this one afternoon at Disney in a rehearsal hall. I guess it was at Disney. Maybe it was. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Like a, like a stage. a little. And then I guess I went home and maybe filled in a few blanks of like, you know, it could be this or that. The truth is it happened all so fast that um, I don't have a completely like distinct memory. Maybe also it's because no one um, pissed me off enough because the things I remember are only like the, you know, the grudges I hold. Those, <laughs> those. oh my God, I, I can go into detail on those. <laughs> but this one went kind of smoothly. So it's, it's a great sign that you do yeah. not remember much about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. It's, fun, it's funny how, and sorry to interrupt Katie, I'm, I'm not letting Katie get a word in edgewise, but it is <laughs> funny how sometimes the public and fans will remember something or uh, and hold on to something every moment every visual and then sometimes you talk to the person who made that song or album or music video and they're like you know I don't remember the day that we did it but I'm so thrilled of how it turned out because they don't to them it's work and they're in the middle of something and they don't remember all the nuances um much like this where you were like great we're gonna do this song and then you move on to the next project not realizing what it would turn into and here we are talking about it in 2021. Well, um, Bette Midler often has said um, that she can't remember the real recording of the songs. Uh, she just really remembers what we ordered, what we ate. <laughs> but you're completely right. It's just what we're doing for work. So, you know, does anyone remember what they did at work, you know, 28 years ago? How, how long ago was it? 93. So. Wow. Well, you mentioned that you had, uh, you know, already worked previously with Bette. Um, how long had you been working together? When did you start working with her? Well, that's a very long story. But I mean, I was a Bette Midler fanatic as a, a teenager. Uh, my music teacher uh, gave me a present after I helped him on the junior high uh, talent show. And he gave me Bette Midler's first two records. Something about me made him know that I would like those two records. <laughs> uh, maybe he knew something before I did, but, um, and I did. My God, those records just blew my mind. I mean, Boogie Wee Bugle Boy had just come out. So maybe I was, I showed I was obsessed with that because I loved harmony. So I became a Bette Midler fanatic. And to make this very long story short, as many other moments in my life, I was in the right place at the right time. And the first people I met when I moved to New York, when I was 16, I left high school with a GED state diploma and met some people in New York, started playing for their act and started staying with them on the weekends. And they lived across the hall from one of Bette Midler's backup singers, the Harlets, who started, wanted to do their own act when they weren't, because they weren't on tour with Bette. 
And I became the musical director because I was obsessed with Bette Midler. I knew the harmonies they wanted and I lived across the hall and I was at that point maybe 17 and would work for free. And then Bette said, girls, come back on the road with me like a year later. You can do you can do the opening act. You can do a half an hour of your own act. And I was flowing to L.A. And well, every dream of mine came true where I was suddenly working with Bette Midler. And that was like 1970 eight i guess or wow. so and i've been oh, working with her and great friends with her ever since oh my god um, <laughs> how long ago was that what's the math on that don't don't do the math it may you may not like it yeah but, uh but 17 years old goodness gracious um well i don't have a good follow-up for that i mean i was going to actually go back to hocus pocus um <laughs> Okay, so segueing back to Hocus Pocus with not a good segue at all, and I'll just admit that freely. Um, well, no, let me say, so then I started working with Bette and worked with her for years and years and years, and then her movie career took off, like the second chapter of her movie career with, with all these movies, and so I ended up working on big business and beaches, and on beaches I was the music supervisor, and it was it was my responsibility to choose the songs, help to choose the songs, and arrange them, and so... Then I just started doing that on for the boys. And then so Hocus Pocus came along and I was the obvious guy to do that. Now there, there's your segue. Thank you. So we have you to thank for Otto <laughs> Titzling is what you're saying. Yes. Perfect. Um, okay. So back to Hocus Pocus. I, now, now that the film has been out for so long and we watch it, you know, every Halloween, at least I do, I think a lot of people do. And certainly it's on Disney plus probably, you know, everyone is watching it constantly. Now it doesn't seem that unusual to see I put a spell on you in the film, in the context of the film. But I still think it's probably jarring to the average person who is not expecting a big like musical number from a trio of witches in the middle of this film. Did anyone at the time think, gosh, I don't know, should we do this? Or did they all think that Midler's in the movie, of course we're going to do a song in the film? I think, I think yeah, that was it. I mean... Yeah. By the time I was called in, it was clearly had been decided. Why would we, like you said, why would we have bet? Not to mention Kathy and SJP. Yeah. You know, Kathy, I worked on Sister Act with. So she had already put her stamp on a, on a certain kind of singing, which isn't what she did in um, Hocus Pocus. It's very different in Sister Act. And SJP is, you know, was the one of the original Annie's on Broadway. And so they all came from musical theater backgrounds. So, yeah, it was, a, uh, I guess, a no brainer. I don't think anyone was worried that much about does it make sense? Because they do come into a, 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 an evening that's with people yeah. performing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So although Bet starts in the audience with a fabulous orchestration, it enters correctly. Like you just don't question it. It's just, it's organic. It's, yeah. it's there you go. Thank you. It's not like they're breaking <laughs> out. And it's not like they're breaking out in the song on the streets of Salem for no reason without a band. Like they're in a room right. and there's a band performing and there's someone they're watching. So it actually, in the context of it, it makes sense in that yes. scene. You are correct. Yes. It's also a Disney movie. So, oh. you know, a music number, you know, you kind of want, you want one in a Disney movie. What's heartbreaking, and I don't know if it was on your list of questions, is the fact that it doesn't exist on a record anywhere. Oh, you know, that has been like a burning question I've had with Disney for many, many years. And yeah, Keith has asked this previously. I've, I've asked this of Disney. It must be about Bet's 
uh, record affiliation. She was with Atlantic then, and I bet they couldn't make a deal to borrow her or for the. It's crazy. Is it on streaming, Keith? No, it's not. It's literally no, not anywhere. The only I don't even I don't have it on my laptop in 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 with in or in some dusty vault. I don't have it. It's got to sit somewhere in the vaults of Disney. It would be like Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Every Halloween, it would like run up our charts if it was available it, on streaming. You're you're so right. That is hopefully maybe. Well, now that they're making happen. the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark, you do it. Yeah, you've got the power. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they listen to me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, two two last questions. Um, uh, one, you know, what makes Hocus Pocus and I Put a Spell on You from the film so appealing and enduring after all these years? Well, Bette Midler, Bette Midler, Bette Midler, and then Bette Midler. And then, you know, as far as the, the number, and then, you know, the, the ladies are just having so much fun. I mean, Bette still to this day says it was the most fun she ever had on a movie. And I mean, I do remember it was kind of disappointing that when it came out, it, it didn't do so well. Like, I think I did, I think I did okay. But um, it was, you know, not unlike The Wizard of Oz. I'm not saying that Hocus Pocus is like The Wizard of Oz, but it was through the television view, uh, showings that it became what it is now. I mean, but I was working. I was working with someone else, not one of the ladies, who um, just by chance was able to do incredible imitations of the three ladies, because she said, "I mean, it's a singer I work with all the time. She's a great singer, but I had no idea she had this talent." But she said, "I have watched that movie every year of my life. So how could I? How could I possibly not know how to perform the way that those three ladies do? Because it's such a part of her life, that movie. And now she has an eight-year-old daughter, so even more so. So it just has become that kind of thing for people. Just this great, uh, what's, what do you call that? Something that happens there. Annual? A tradition. Uh, tradition. Tradition. Evergreen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly when you were talking about television, um, you know, showings of it. I just remember it always being on Disney Channel when I was growing up. And now I have a four year old and he watched it for the first time last year. So it's exactly it's exactly that. It's just going to keep going like that generation to generation for sure. And it's so funny. I mean, it's so the the, the witches want to kill children. I know when I was watching it through his eyes last year, I was like, oh, this is a little spookier than I remember it. But they seem I, to love it. I mean, they're they not bothered it. by it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. A sequel has been announced to the film. Uh, you know, can you tell us anything? Are you involved in the movie at all? Or is there anything you're allowed to, to say on that front? I don't think I'm allowed to say anything. But maybe the fact that I'm telling you that I'm not allowed to say anything says something <laughs> we don't fair. know those disney those disney contracts could be you know you could be locked into something since the 90s for all we know we have no idea <laughs> yeah. what you could be talking about we can get I'm, people i've worked on another months. another thing that we could talk about in what is in about a month is another one i had to sign a i always want to say uh dnr let's do not resuscitate <laughs> what is NDA. it what is it? nda nda yeah <laughs> But in a month from now, I'll be able to talk about it. And uh, uh, so that's you're working on the so Macy's Thanksgiving from... Day Parade. <laughs> no? Should we email you in a month? Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I think in a month from now, people will be having fun talking about a musical moment in something that is out in a month. Interesting. Adele's okay. CBS concert special. I wish. We have Adele on the brain. <laughs> Sorry, we've got, we've got Adele going on. Um, well, this has been um, super delightful. Katie, uh, what am I missing? Am I missing anything here? No, I, we hit everything we wanted to and then some. Mark, we really appreciate you talking to us today. And, um, and you know, I'll look forward to my annual viewing of Hocus Pocus with my son this weekend. Fabulous. It's nice to meet you both. Yeah, nice same you. to you. Thank you so much to Mark Shaman for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, if, In case you were curious, we did reach out to Walt Disney Records for an update on when, I put a spell on you, might be commercially available. We don't have anything to report yet. And we also can't wait to find out what this mystery project is that Mark is working on that's coming in a month. So we just have a lot of things to stay tuned for. But thank you so much to Mark because it was an absolute delight to talk to him. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It's a chilling, it's thrilling quiz, fire. Katie. Chart oh, stat of the week. Th- there's nothing scarier. <laughs> <laughs> my ghoulish listeners, my, my, my fiendish fans of the pod. Um, well, Katie, uh, of these four spooky... Hot 100 hit singles, which did not hit number one on the Hot 100. And of course, those listeners at home, please play along. Maybe you please. can guess. Maybe you can guess the answer. Maybe right, you, so, you and I can use some ESP right now, and you can tell me what the answer. Is. Some spooky telekinesis. <laughs> right. Or that's not. That's not the right. Well, you know. Anyway. All right. So, <laughs> of these four, which did not go to number one? We've got. Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers, Monster Mash, Michael Jackson's Thriller, Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters, or Rihanna's Disturbia. So which of those four did not hit number one? Hmm. Okay, well, I know that, you know, novelty songs did a lot better back in the day, maybe, than they would now, but I'm going to choose Monster Mash as my answer. Well, it was a graveyard smash because it <laughs> did go to number one for two uh, weeks in 1962. See, this is, I should have known, the 60s loved a novelty song. I mean, the Chipmunks <laughs> went to number one with the Chipmunks song. Yeah, for real. Okay, um, against all odds, my next guess is going to be Michael Jackson's Thriller. I know the album was massive, but what about the song, Keith? I love Against All Odds. You've worked <laughs> in a classic Keith and Katie reference into the You're show. You're like, Phil Collins wasn't an option. <laughs> Phil Collins did not do a spooky version of Against All Odds. You're right. Michael Jackson's hey. Thriller is the one of those four that did not go to number one. It peaked to number four for two weeks in 1984. So Ghostbusters, a number one hit. I mean, Rihanna's Disturbia, sure. But Ghostbusters, number one, too? Yeah, Ghostbusters spent three weeks at number one in 1984, and Disturbia spent two weeks at number one in 2008. Amazing. So uh, there you have it, a little uh, spooky uh, Quiz Katie edition. I like these Quiz Katies instead of a traditional chart stat. Do you like them? 
I do. They terrify me because I love trivia, but that doesn't mean like I'm infallible at trivia. I'm actually kind of terrible at it, but I love to play. So actually yeah, not it, terrible, but it's t- the chart ones are especially tough. If you if you want a, a, a really, really fun quiz, Katie, go revisit our VMA episode where we talked for about seven hours <laughs> about every single VMA video a, of the year winner. It's a 40 minute quiz, Katie. <laughs> if you like to hear Katie flailing for 40 minutes, please listen to that. <laughs> um, right, well, Keith. Yeah. I have to oh, say, yeah. I lo- one of my favorite things about Halloween, you know, quote unquote Halloween songs is when something that was not intended to become a Halloween song becomes one. And I would like to submit an application for Dua Lipa's Levitating to be a Halloween song this year. Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't <laughs> know how that could be, but <laughs> it's the title Levitating. It makes you think of like a corpse rising out of a grave or like I a don't ghost think anyone thinks floating. of a corpse rising from a grave when they hear <laughs> levitating by Dua Lipa. <laughs> but we're going to turn it into a Halloween playlist staple this year right now. So you <laughs> I've so decided. Are you, are you saying that you want to go out on levitating this I mean week? sure. I love any excuse to listen to Dua Lipa, so sure. Okay, so we've reached the end of our big shoe. Uh, <laughs> uh, any other parting words before we levitate on out of here? Just happy Halloween everybody. Happy Halloween, everybody. See you guys next week. Bye.